0: What do an accessible PS5 controller, a moddable mechanical keyboard, and a urine detector all have in common? Nothing besides being the products that were all showcased at CES, the topic of this week's episode of the DMGT Podcast. My name is Danny, your host, and this week uh we are running without Spencer. We're starting off the year running without Spencer, so you just get me this week. Sorry, Happy New Year! How was? I hope everyone's break was okay. I don't know why I said how was your break, as if I could hear what any of you are potentially saying. Send, send I mean, maybe tweet it at me or something. Leave a comment on the TikTok or Instagram. How was? How were your holidays if you so partake? Or just how was your December and the last six weeks or so? It's been a it's been a while. It's been a while since we've been back out there. But we're back. We're starting the new year strong. We have a lot of stuff planned, a lot of things in the work. We're, you know, we're cooking. We're cooking in the back kitchen here. Okay. So even though uh, Spencer couldn't join us uh, this week to kick off the the new year, um we he will be back and we have plenty of things to take care of. Big plans, big plans for, for you all. We'll be doing some uh, fun Dobie Atmos things. Uh, you can look forward to that pretty soon. I think we have teased that a little bit, but that's that's going to be, that is currently in the works, not going to be in the works. That is actively in the works. So that'll be a fun stuff to kind of get into. But, hey, it's a new year. Um, time. What is time? Whatever. It's you change numbers on a calendar, but time continues. It's a construct. Anyways, oh boy, before I get into all rambly stuff. Uh, CES, January and like the turn of the new year and yeah, like holidays end and all this stuff and like whatever, right? It's cold, at least where we are. Uh, but I always look forward to January because of CES. It's like a cool way to sort of kick off a year, uh, particularly for someone and people who are Uh, interested in just things all things technology ces the consumer electronics showcase uh does it every year last the last two years were like half virtual half in person because of obviously the old rona but this year seemed to be back in full full strength um just like many other things uh, that have kind of gone by over the last month or so the game awards the grammy's coming up and the oscars and all of that so uh, yeah that that was a that's it's a good time the game awards by the way have come and gone and our predictions were right baby uh elden ring won game of the year elden ring has won ran away with game of the year basically uh something like 343 awards game of the year awards across like all the different media publications and outlets and all of that, including, uh, one DMGT publication, that video, um, didn't have a ton of views. Actually, the, uh, God of War Ragnarok and Elden Ring video had like 20,000 views on YouTube, whatever, before the, the algorithm decided to kick it into balls, um, and put a stop to, to my rampage. I was going to get too powerful. It's okay. Um, but it did win. It did win. Um, we we had that down down tight. It actually beat out The Last of Us Part Two for most Game of the Year awards ever handed out to a game, which was uh, pretty interesting. I don't know why I don't remember The Last of Us Part II getting that many Game of the Year awards. I think because, one, I am chronically online and also seeing all the other chronically online takes of how horrible that game was, which it was not. It was a very good game. Um, even though my personal choice for, what was it, 2019, um, was not was not The Last of Us 2. It was um, Hades. I had chosen Hades for, for Game of the Year. It was really good. Hades was really good. Um, you know, it's just like a video gamer's video game. Just straight. Although The Last of Us 2 I did love. It was great. Um, but yeah, Elden Ring did beat God of War Ragnarok. Some people were mad about it. Some people were like whatever it's yeah i think it's the right call both of those games are fantastic we got we got like we got our you know our just desserts with those two caliber two games of that caliber in one year we're lucky if we get one and we'll see how the rest of the games show up this year but it should be pretty close we shall see we will be talking about the uh, upcoming last of us series on hbo because we are what days away depending on when you're listening to it but when i'm recording this we are literal days away from the premiere of the last of us the actual like premiere premiere in in la and all that has already occurred the early impressions and early reviews are incredible incredible um so i think it's going to live up to I it's it's for me, obviously, one of the, my favorite video game of all time. I still believe that it is one of the greatest video games of all time. Not so much because of just kind of for what that story did um, in the video game space and the ability that that <clears throat> that did for story driven and narrative games without while still being like a video game. Um, so taking all the story elements and stuff like I'm going to be so interested. I'm very excited to see how that pans out onto TV because I think a large strength of that game um and and the second one as well is the interactions that you have and like the the sense of survivalism like of like I am Joel I have to save Ellie um I think just is is part of what made that show and that not that show that story in the, in this game so powerful um so It'll be just interesting to see how that pans out uh, on on TV. And HBO has had a really good track record of like really high quality, like higher end uh, TV shows that tend to be a little more intense. So they're not not necessarily always like just like tossback popcorn. Um, but I think it'll be good. I think Pedro Pascal is phenomenal. I think Bella Ramsey is phenomenal. I think pretty much everyone in that in that cast has done a great job. So in prior projects. So I'm looking forward to that. And we, we have potentially a little, little fun surprise to, to show you, share with you all. Um, I can't quite share yet, but um, keep an eye out on the uh, Instagram and TikTok specifically. And I'll probably do a YouTube video as well. But um, yeah, there's some content coming out there that is very related to that. And that's all I can say for now. Okay. So that's a video game stuff. We will get to that next week as that launches. Let's let's focus on the main topic at hand that we have for this week to kick off the year of podcast episodes. CES, baby. CES has come and gone. And there's always so much stuff. You know, you get your, uh, your auto tech. You get like robots and AI and like personal care and home electronics and a bunch of stuff. It's not just like I mean, all of that stuff is technically consumer electronics, but like, it's not just um like super bleeding edge. I, I, I'm sorry, it's not just like computer stuff and like gadgets and stuff. There's always there's also like bleeding edge things and around like medical technology and transportation technology and accessibility technology and all of that. So um, yeah, it's always a, a pretty fun time. Uh, on top of, of course, you know. Computer monitors and keyboards and, and CPUs and GPUs and uh, gadgets that are just kind of fun to play with and aren't, aren't necessarily like they're just more convenience things, right? But that's the whole point. We like them. So let's let's get into some of the stuff that some of the highlights, at least, and we'll talk about some of the other things that just generally were, were interesting. And we're going to start off with that little hook that little, that little, uh, the, the clickbait that probably has brought you to this episode, uh, Withings with their piss sensor effectively. They, they announced and reviewed this, uh, uh, like attachment that goes into your toilet. It's it, like you attach it to like the under part of your, uh, the inside of the toilet ring bowl. Right. And it has, a basically a funnel, this contraption is cartridge that you pee into, and it starts measuring your piss. It's really weird. It's kind of one of those wacky things. Like Withings has been doing like health technology type things for a while now, right? Like with uh sensors and stuff with their watches that are a little bit more like traditional watch-looking things, which I know Spencer is a huge fan of. Um, uh, but also like smart scales and and other things in in that area is is kind of what they've been focused on in the past but now you have this thing that's like taking urine samples when you go to the bathroom which is weird but also um i'm sure someone's going to get some use out of that right so basically you have this device that you connect into your uh, uh connect attached to your toilet somehow and then you you have to power it but it has uh, cartridges and there are two different cartridges right now, at least from what they they showed at the showcase there, where it detects urine samples for pH and then nutrition and metabolism using ketatone uh, and vitamin C. So that one um, specifically for like more uh, like the male audience, I guess, um, or people that pee with with the dongs. Um, and it just tracks like your nutrition and like your health and metabolism levels. And I don't know, that's that's pretty interesting. And it all connects like that cartridge. There are sensors in the contraption thing that then it all sends it to an app. Like it, those all the, those readings are, happen pretty quickly. And then boom, right into uh, you download an app onto your smartphone. And then bam, you have all this information uh, over like your urine health and your general overall health. And each cartridge lasts up to... Three months, I believe they said, without uh, needing to replace it. so you have to replace it at every once a quarter, four times a year, right? Not too bad. Um, and then the other one uh, measures or or tests also pH, but also LH so for like menstrual cycle health and and that more more on the female end of the spectrum there for for health measuring from. Urine samples. What the hell am I even talking about right now? But that's what they had. It's an interesting like it was just this is one of those things where it's just like, what is this? And uh, it's just fascinating to to talk about. And like, look, it's one of those things where I have learned. I have learned the hard way uh, at times that if you're like, what the hell is this for? This doesn't make any sense, blah, blah, blah. Like, then it's probably not for you. There are people out there that exist that definitely could benefit from this. And this is a potential, potentially one of those. But also in general, it's just fascinating. Like, I love seeing like all the more wacky stuff that comes out at CES. So that's the Withings um, health (laughs) device, P device. I didn't even remember what it was uh, uh, called, the, the P monitor. Uh yeah, it, it's a use can. no, it's not the use can. It doesn't even have a name technically yet. It's just like No, it is a use can. It is the use can. My bad. My bad. It's the use can. Oh my goodness. Um uh, 500 bucks. Pretty expensive, but not not that bad, I guess. So, uh <laughs> It can like detect like if it's water, so like if water's splashing back from you the know, toilet bowl and all that like all oh, really strange to talk about on a podcast but um i don't know i i found that to be interesting so for all of you people that are like i gotta you know i gotta measure my p frequently for whatever reason like hey i don't know uh, it's possible and it does happen this is i think a a useful one this is one of the more useful wacky ones but also like oh yeah people are for sure gonna find use out of this so um that's that's an option that will be available sometime in the next quarter or so for from within. So keep an eye out for that one if you know you're like, oh, a little stocking stuffer. I want like a pee monitor from the floor to add to the toilet. Uh <laughs> okay. From there, let's talk about the Asus ROG Azoth. The um Asus had a crazy crazy CES, like dude. I was like taking notes of all the things that I found the most interesting to me and the stuff that I want to talk about and like Asus comes up like 3 times in this episode and uh, on all my lists. So uh they're they're killing it right now. Uh De ROG Azoth. This is a wireless mechanical keyboard. I am not a huge mechanical keyboard person. Mostly because um I already have a lot of expensive hobbies as it is. Uh not because I'm not interested in it. I am very interested in it, but I don't really know all that much because I know if I started doing a bunch of research, it would just like suck me in and I already spent too much money on headphones and audio gear and video games. So uh but this one was uh, caught my eye because this is supposedly a um, a more premium mechanical keyboard that also happens to be wireless, uh, targeted at like keyboard modders and keyboard builders, right? Like so, all the people that are like building and like doing all like the lubing of like the individual pieces and the switches and the springs and all of that. Like it's a it's a legit super uh, interesting niche uh, if you if you ever get a chance to look into it. but um, uh, yeah, it's a seventy five percent wireless keyboard Add dampening there's like a bunch of like dampening layers for um so they're a little bit more silent um, that you would expect from a higher end uh, keyboard or or for higher like keyboards that people build and and sell for a higher price. but uh, that, that's like typically what you find there to make it a little quieter, hot swappable switches. Huge thing, so you can put in whatever switches you prefer. Um, stabilizer compatibility, so like you can mod it. Like it's built in, built in a way that you can go and mod it. I don't know exactly what that means, but you can do it. So that's cool, right? Uh, yeah, they're really going after people who who love mechanical keyboards and love modding specifically mechanical keyboards. Although out of the box, it seems like yeah, for two hundred and fifty dollars, it's better. Perform like one of those keyboards. Of of course, it's one of those things where it's like, why the freaking hell would you play two fifty? You can buy a damn ten dollar keyboard and it does the job. Yeah, yeah, that's true. But also, why do anything ever, right? So this one's this one's a interesting one at least. It looks cool, lighting, LED lighting, and all that stuff without being over. It's not like uh, in your face RGB gamer gamer house uh, keyboard uh, type situation. So. That's an interesting one. Um, Asus, if you want to send any of this stuff over so I can like test it out and like take a, uh, uh, not enthusiast, a uh, casual's perspective on some of this stuff, um, please do. Any of the things that I'm going to talk about or anything in general. Uh, <laughs> but that one's that one's an interesting one. And it's wireless. Mechanical keyboards are starting to become or uh, come in the wireless variety more often these days. Um, like I personally have a Keychron K2, uh, for my MacBook, uh, because it's got like the, the Mac layout, which I always, uh, found difficult to find until this one came out. So now they're a little bit way more common. So, um, either way. Yeah, that's a fun one. That's a cool one. Uh, PlayStation's Project Leonardo. This one I think is probably the most, um, exciting in the sense of like oh this is like a cool a cool thing that that's happening not just because it's PlayStation and not just because it's gaming related um which yes they are and obviously I'm a fan of both of those things but uh they finally have a first first party uh accessible controller so uh the Xbox had the um I forgot what it what it's called the their accessible controller for for the adaptive controller for a while now um so it's nice to see PlayStation getting on that bandwagon but PlayStation not the bandwagon but you know what i mean that train um PlayStation partnered with Able Gamers and Special Effect these are literally the two su- two of the same two the two same organizations that uh Xbox uh made and developed their adaptive controller for so um it's like one of those things like yeah PlayStation's taking this seriously and it looks very cool like um swappable buttons customizable button sizes you can customize profiles and, and do some software customization all like uh like f- uh, for a flat surface surface so you don't have to like technically hold it in your hand um i guess you could put it on your lap or something but like yeah obviously this is built for gamers in, in mind to have different abilities than like uh someone with fully functional two hands and, and fingers right so um I don't know, it's just a it's just a really cool one that people seem to be excited about. Um and it's just it's like a little bit of a like thank you about time, but also like, yeah, cool, thank you in general. So hopefully Nintendo needs to get on this train as well. Like, come on, what are you what are you all doing? Like just the ability to have like this first party, uh like with official support and all of that, like yeah, that's a good thing. They didn't say anything about like price or when this was going to launch. They kind of just have they announced that day two of CES and then uh have a blog post up with the video talking about like uh some people from like able gamers, special effects, some like accessibility consultants, and like obviously the engineering team at, at PlayStation. Um just kind of what all went into it. It's cool, it just looks very cool. Obviously, it's for the PS5 specifically. It would have been cool to see this for the PlayStation 4 as well. Um, but I get it. We're we're too two plus years into the PS5's life cycle. um, That support for the PS4 will be is probably going to start getting deprecated in the next year or two, so probably didn't make that much sense to go that route. But still, either way, would have been nice, I think. But uh, in general, I think it's just kudos, applause. They get a little, PlayStation and Sony get a little bit of a win here, um, considering that they're kind of making a mess of themselves with the uh, Activision Blizzard acquisition and the FTC, FTC, and all of that. Like I'm not going to get into any of that. I, I, I frankly, I don't care. Um, these are just major companies fighting and trying to show off their big dongs and big bank accounts, basically. Um, but this one is cool. They're going to have some benefit for for people with different abilities to play play games, and that's always that's always a fun time. I think eventually, at one point, I I want to be able to do something like that um with the dmgt like even if it's just like a fundraising stream or something eventually like i want to get into some of that so if anyone's listening um that has any access to there or information on that uh please reach out i would love to do something be part of like some um showcase or just stream for profit for or for non-profit for fundraising or anything like that i think that would be cool um so that's playstation's project leonardo I'm sure that name will change. That's just kind of a placeholder for where that is right now. OK, so moving on to some other stuff that I like, the Lenovo Yoga Book 9i. That one, this one was a pretty big one. Uh, you may have seen already like a bunch of videos or YouTube videos and articles on it. Uh, it's probably one of the most flashiest uh, things. Um, at CES this year, as far as like, oh, people are going to be able to get their hands on this pretty soon. Um, at a n- relatively normal laptop price, right? So, the Lenovo Yoga Book 9i. This is a dual screen laptop that doesn't look useless for the first time. I think a lot of the different iterations that have been done uh, in the last few years for a secondary display built into the laptop. I'm not. I wasn't. I haven't been really a big fan of. Uh, obviously, notorious one. Uh, Apple's uh, Touch Bar touch display under. Uh, 2016 to 2019, 2018 models of the MacBook Pro um, was one prime example of uh, not so great implementation, even though, again, spoiler alert, I have said this before, I actually personally really enjoy the touch bar, but I get it. It is what it is. You just need to keep the function real. um And then other, like, manufacturers have done, like, uh, square, almost, um, like, uh, Oh my goodness! What is it? What is it called? The uh, the touch touchpad for uh your for the laptop like that size of a display like somewhere in the body of the of the laptop like next to a keyboard or something or like replacing like uh, the nine key space of a keyboard. People have done or manufacturers have done things like this uh, in the past, but no, this is full on two. Full size touch displays, think of it as like two tablets connected together like a laptop, um, but then they close together like a laptop, right? But as a kickstand for, uh, so you can like display them side by a sidebar style, side by side, um, like the long way, like your phone, or you can stack them like normal 16 by 9 um, v- uh, viewing angle and stack them up that way and then you have like uh potentially a a a wireless uh keyboard that comes with it you can connect your own keyboard if you have a different wireless keyboard Uh, obviously the one that that uh, lenovo uh sells with it is probably the best one or the most compatible looking uh uh, for for those purposes um but you can also do like a virtual keyboard on one of the, the screens i think it's uh interesting device i don't know how interested i would be in like laying one of the screens flat and then like you know setting up like a normal laptop like at a coffee shop and then like touch typing on the display itself but who knows maybe it would be fine like again lenovo you want to send one over i'd be more than happy to test it and give them a full review and thoughts on something like this it's just one of those where it's like i personally have thought about um like uh like a portable display and portable displays were also everywhere at ces this year um but like especially over the last like year or two with people working remotely. Sometimes I want to work at a coffee shop or something. Like I bring my laptop out and the 14 inch MacBook pro is great. Um, But sometimes like, you know what, that extra real estate does matter. And like, I have looked at like displays and like, should I bring my laptop over for sidecar or whatever? Like the, that implementation isn't perfect. So like a proper display that's like, yeah, this is like a secondary desktop space for me to like be more productive. has been something that I have considered. So now that it's like built in properly to this laptop, uh, and it seems like the CPU can handle it, the GPU can handle it, it's not like overheating or anything like that. Obviously, you're probably not going to game on this, at least not hardcore game on this, um, but that real estate does matter, um, I think. And this is definitely the most impressive iteration of a dual screen laptop because it's like a proper dual screen laptop. There's two full size displays. So, this one's coming around $2000. Again, like I said, uh not not like us the cheapest laptop out there, but uh in the more like enthusiast premium laptop space. 2000 isn't that bad. Um and it should be out in sometime in spring. So, uh you'll be able to get your hands on that pretty soon. I think this one I would love to be able to test out and just like take it on the go and see just how it functions, right? To have the two displays like that I think would be super, um, I don't know. I I would, I feel like I would learn a lot from, from using it there. So once again, Lenovo, I, I'm not begging, but I'm, you know, send me one. (laughs) Okay. So that is the laptop. Let's talk about key two in Apple key two. If you aren't aware what key is in general, this is, uh, basically, um, the, uh, wireless charging standard that has become Basically, this is like the major wireless uh, charging standard that any electronics device that has wireless charging uses this to some extent. However, the big thing about Key2 is now that Apple is a member of WPC, the organization that's like developing the uh, technology or like the organization that is a group of organizations and companies to to research and develop uh, this wireless charging technology. Key2 will have MagSafe, or just like general magnetic profiles for for wireless charging, I think is um, is really one of the coolest coolest things here about Key2. Um, I think uh, it, it seems like Apple's taking the approach of, and I don't want to get too deep into like the technical jargon about this because whatever, right? But um, I, I think what's happening here is they're probably treating this almost similar to... Like uh lightning uh licensing or um Thunderbolt three licensing with like the USB C uh standard for for like laptops and computers and stuff. Um I I see this potentially being just like that move for Apple where it's like, why would you give up your MagSafe thing? And it's like, well you can if you just license it out, it's fine and you still get to you know, brag about MagSafe and your phones and stuff, um, the Apple Watch and all that. But now people have uh, more people could have the benefit from it. I think is is a cool thing. It's just a convenience thing. It's like really not like like a life changing type feature or improvement in technology. But it is definitely a lot more convenience. I got I got my wife Lily the uh, the Belkin MagSafe the stand one with the with the round MagSafe charger like the you know like the puck that you get for for the iPhone that was revealed a few years ago. Basically that. Well, like on a really nice dis stand and then like it looks like your phone is hovering when you put it on your desk or wherever you put it it's just really convenient and then, like to have that in like normal wireless charging mats uh yeah you'll be able to plop it down and it'll kind of just hold in place like little like a little lock in place because of the magnets and you know for sure it'll be charging like uh, i have a wireless charger uh, on my uh, gaming desk set up that i put my like airpods on or my phone on and then like it you, again this is like such first world problems and like just like convenience thing right like eh, i'm finicking with it because it's not in the right spot to like charge it properly because you're not lining up like the 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 cables to that are underneath for the wireless charging to work properly so uh, i think that's a i don't know just like a like a cool one like yeah nice Cool, cool. Apple's not being a complete asshole this time and just like sharing that tech with with people. So um that's a cool one. I'm looking forward to those accessories. So uh who doesn't love a good accessory? You know, just like a random ass accessory. Like, oh, cool. Yeah, this isn't like, oh my God, I can't believe you got me. This is like, oh, this is fun. Very useful. I'm going to use it. I'm going to slap one in my car. So key two, Downs down's there. Um, let's talk about NVIDIA's Oh my goodness, NVIDIA. So, all right. I'm not going to get into the full NVIDIA GPU uh, nitty-gritty details of like how they have butchered this launch, but I will give you like the high-level cliff notes. Uh, a few months ago, late last year, oh my god, late last year, um, NVIDIA re- re- uh, revealed their like 4090, 4080 series, right? And then they had two models of the 4080 that had 12 gigabytes lower, um, 12 gigabytes of, of of VRAM with lower bandwidth, lower cores. All like they were just getting absolutely destroyed online. Like, why would you call this a 4080 when it's like significantly less powerful than like the standard or a higher end 4080 with the 16 gigabytes and the higher, uh, bandwidth VRAM and, and all of that, uh, all of the technical details. And this isn't even like the $1,600, 40, 4090, right? So they go back to the drawing board and then <laughs> CES rolls around and they're like, it's introducing the 4070 Ti. And it's, it's literally just a, like, it's literally the 4080 rebranded as a 4070ti and it has just been a mess um all the they're like the mark the biggest thing is like the marketing and Nvidia has been doing this like they've done this a few times in recent um product life cycles with the 2000 series i'm pretty sure um uh, talking about the improvements and not be really being that they're kind of just using cherry picked statistics uh but the for the 4070ti they're talking about like 3X improvements over the 3090 Ti, or this 4070. And basically every single benchmark on all, like, the major tech and, and PC game, uh, YouTube channels are just showing that this is just straight up false. Um, and it's just, like, another just another, like, thing in this launch of this 4000 series that is just a complete mess on nvidia side right now like um i don't really care about like specifically like i don't love talking about things that i don't really care for like yeah this sucks i don't want to talk about this. let's move on to the things i do want to talk about but nvidia is way too big Um, and this is too big of a profile to just ignore it (laughs) so we have to talk about it a little bit um yeah amd is is kind of eating nvidia's lunch in this gpu life cycle they obviously don't really have anything that competes really properly with the 4090 um but AMD's like high what is it the uh, 7900 xtx the radeon is like performing on par with the 4080 the high-end 4080 for what two three hundred dollars cheaper are you kidding me it's uh it's one of those things where it's like, this is why competition is good, but also like NVIDIA, what are you doing? What the hell did you... I thought we learned from the that's from the 2000 series launch, um, where like the price the cards were like insanely overpriced and everything. Like I have a 2080 super in my C, in my PC, but that was after the 3000 series cards were launched. And you know, we had updated, um, or, or lower price points for all these GPUs. So, I don't know. Like if if you're considering like updating your your GPU uh this life cycle, you probably should go AMD. Um because then if you you don't even have to get like the super high end. You can get something for 400 bucks basically. What is it? The 7800 um AMD and you're performing better or on par with any Nvidia has in that performance range for significantly cheaper. So, I don't know. Nvidia, get your get your act together, guys. What's going on? Brutal, brutal. Uh, But then to keep it on the gaming, on the PC gaming, I should say specifically, uh, here we go, Asus, man. Asus really is on a row, was on a row at CES. So the Asus Swift Pro, a 400, a base, 480 hertz, high refresh rate gaming monitor, 480 hertz. This is insane. And it can overclock all the way up to 540 hertz. Just, okay, so uh, let's put that in perspective, right? So, like, a normal, like, a oh, good, oh, good. to uh, so be, like, considered, like, yeah, this is, this is a gaming monitor. 120 to 144 hertz. That's 100, uh, re- 120 to 144 refreshes per second of an image that you're seeing on your display. TVs, up until recently, you just, you, like, e- even now, most TVs only do 60 hertz like 60 FPS. If you're talking about like you're recording something on your phone, like the gamers, I don't have to explain this to you, but like or uh, someone that's not as familiar. uh, If you're recording on your phone, you know when it says uh, 4K at 60 FPS or 1080p at 60 FPS, it looks smoother because it's capturing more frames per second as you're recording for better motion tracking and all uh, all of that. Um, That's what this is. That's what most TVs are at. And then like some of the more higher end, more flagship uh, TVs will go up to like 120. Now they're starting to go up to 200 because of the introduction of HDMI 2.1, and specifically because that's the bandwidth you need for like 8K and HDR and like you know all the new consoles and all that. um That's a good one. Like higher end gaming was like oh 240 hertz. Like really, this is like we're talking like esports pros or people that are, are trying to aspire to to esports. Like if you're like university or college has. A, an esports program. Those displays better be at least two hundred and forty hertz, or you're just not competing on the same level as like some other organizations. Like that's just the the deal. And now you're doubling that again. Insane, insane. Obviously, this is going to be a TN panel, or this is a TN panel. Um, but for even like even at like ten eighty p, like this is like the high end, highest end. Uh, we're like at the uh the boundary of <laughs> of what like hardware can actually output um if you can like you know generate that many frames a second like obviously a game like a league of legends or an overwatch like yeah you're probably going to be able to hit those those numbers of like 500 or so uh frames per second but now like you'll be able to see it like i don't even know like can you would will anyone be able to tell the difference like if we put a 240 because i know like people put it put side by side like 144 to 240 and a lot of people, a decent amount of people can still tell the difference, but there are some people that are just like, yeah, this looks the same to me. Sixty two to 144, big difference. 144 to 240, not as much of a difference. Well, two forty four eighty, like, is it that? Can you, can the eye even perceive that? I don't know. But it's it's cool. I don't know. It's, it's one of those things that's like, yeah, if you're serious about esports and like pursuing that as a potential passion or something like that, or you're just competing locally or whatever, like... Damn, this one, this is uh super impressive. That's that's so much output. Like where where do you even go from there? Um, but if we're talking about like razor thin margins and like reaction times and all of that, like the highest percentile of of gamers and performance, like uh, performers, I'm sure that will that will benefit them. So uh that's a cool one. And then to stay on the on the monitor side of the world, again Asus, I'm telling you, they had a hell of a CES. ACES send me stuff. Um, the ROG Swift OLED. Finally, we've had some OLED uh, monitors make it into the desktop space uh, recently, but uh, it's nice to see that these are coming more and more because, quite frankly, like I love the uh, Acer Predator that I have. It's the 4K HDR 120Hz display from like 2017, 2018, I want to say. Um, but... Like I plug in, like if, when I move my PS5 from, from my desk to my living room to play on there or watch a movie or something like, it's just, it just looks so much better on OLED. It look everything looks so much better on OLED. Um, and yeah, I would love to get one of these bad boys on my desk and replace, uh, my, my, you know, my general LCD, uh, panel. So this one is uh, 144 Hertz. 240 I mean 140 144p 240 hertz HDMI 2.1 all of the you know all the the standards the basics but it's oled so the image is going to look better the blacks are going to look incredible the color accuracy is going to be nice the contrast is going to be better like yeah this is good. they're going to look they look nice and they're going to look nice um oleds are cool man the, the you just can't get much better Picture qualities right now um, from display technology. Like most of your your flagship smartphones are now on OLED, right? Like the iPhone's been on OLED for a while. Uh Google Pixels and, and the higher end um Samsung's and and different phones on, on Android have been OLED for a while. And they look better. things just look better. That's just prettier to consume on that type of display. So just a space I'm keeping an eye on. I'm keeping an eye on it. I, I'm, I'm waiting for a 4K one um, that isn't 32 inches. I want a 27-inch display. Seems like there really aren't that many options there yet, but um, if I have to go on four, 140, 144p, 144p, 140, 144 uh, 1440p, oh my God, I can't speak. Can you tell? I have to run this whole episode on my own and this is what happens. Um, sorry, it's okay. I blame, I'm blaming Spencer. Um, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Okay. But that's, that's what we have there. And then, and then lastly, to me, this is, this is going to get a little bit more into the nitty gritty nerdy, uh, space, but man, I love this, this bleed, the bleeding edge stuff especially when it comes to home entertainment and TV technology, because it's super relevant to a lot of stuff that we're thinking about right now. Um micro led micro led has been a thing for what a year or two now it's been like you know that's being showcased uh, but samsung specifically uh showcasing their micro led advancements into te- in tvs this year lg's oled the the m3 and i'm gonna start here because there's a point to this is still the best students in the home theater class right with The M3 that they announced is has a new wireless audio video receiver. has better brightness on on the on the OLED uh, panel itself. Uh, Like that, that's going to be the case. The LG one is still best in class uh, for OLED TVs that you can get at home for a fairly reasonable price. And I mean, like reasonable on the high end, right? Like you're spending two to three thousand dollars on on one of these TVs. Um, You can, I mean. You can some some of them can be cheaper, but like for the flagship ones, they cost that much. Micro LED, on the other hand, I think is the most impressive thing coming up. It's not very accessible right now. They the the TV that that Samsung was kind of showing off, and you might have seen this, is the hundred and forty inch uh, TV. A hundred thousand dollars that TV is running you. So like this isn't really accessible to anyone. But OLED was roughly around that range, not that long ago. So it might just be a few years away before micro-LED becomes like a viable choice for uh, an enthusiast consumer at least, right? Um, but the micro-LED tech I think is just super cool because, okay, so you we have mini-LED, which um, for example, like all the new MacBook Pros are mini-LED displays. They're not exactly lighting each individual pixel, but they are adding like a significant larger amount of zones to make it feel like it's OLED. Like the, you get very close to OLED level blacks, but with the benefit of higher uh, brightness, obviously. um, So you get better contrast ratios and things like that. However, like even like on a dark screen, on the macbook pro you're moving your cursor around you still get a little bit of blooming you still get a little bit of blooming and that's that's always been the case with um a lot of like really bright HDR uh displays and tvs um over the past five or so years micro led is basically taking the concept of oled but making it inorganic so OLED loses, because it's a ba- like an organic uh, di- diode, I think is what it's called, per each pixel, you lose uh, brightness, you lose luminescence over time. There's decay over time because it's organic on an OLED. It's going to be a while before any anyone that's listening that has an OLED display even has to re- remotely worry about it. If you're familiar with Wolfden on YouTube, uh, he has had... A uh, Nintendo Switch on for eight months now, or something like that, seven months, like 24-7. It's been on to do, like, it's basically an experiment to see how much burn-in is happening. Is it losing brightness? And it's even then, like 24-7, on for almost a full year, you're barely starting to see some burn-in. You're barely starting to see some of those differences. A normal use case, you're it's going to be years and years and years. You don't have to worry about it that much, but it is still a consideration. If you want to like, you know, think about like, Oh, my TV, like that. My parents had was like 10 years old. Like that's probably not going to be the case with the OLED. It's going to be close, probably closer to five to seven years before you're like, Hey, what's going on with my screen a little bit. Um, micro led starts solving some of this, right? Like you get identical blacks to OLED because it, but because it's not organic, it's inorganic. It's, uh, each pixel is lit up individually like uh, or not using similar technology to the mini led, but like per pixel instead of per zone, like a mini led uh, does like really condensed zones. Micro led is now doing individual pixel lighting. So you're not going to suffer from that uh, luminescence decay. You're going to get higher contrast ratios, better picture quality because of that higher contrast ratio. And, Yeah, it gets significantly more brighter than than an OLED. Like, again, my OLED that we have here at home uh, is fantastic. I have no complaints about it. Um, But it does perform best at night or when we have, like, everything turned off, like, as much as possible. Like, it performs for sure better in in dark settings. Um, In theory, this micro-LED tech should solve that So even if you have it like in a very bright living room space or anything like that, you don't have the benefit of like, you know, putting it somewhere uh, like a basement or, or you just don't, you know, the access to like a home theater setup, or anything Like that, like just, just on your, by where your couch is in your studio apartments and it's super bright because I'm in a high rise or whatever that this, this should solve for a lot of that. Again, this is all like convenient stuff, but I don't know. I think it's, I think it's really cool, uh, technology that. Now they just need to solve for, the, the problem here is that they need to solve for like, the production issues and manufacturing and then cost to consumer. Because like I mentioned, that 140-inch TV, 100 bands, you're spending a $100,000 on that thing. It's just insane. They, they do have, or they did announce like uh, a 55, seven, uh, 55, 65, 74, 82, 90, and then the 140 uh, models. But they're all ridiculously expensive. Every single one of those is like stupid expensive. But that's just exactly how OLED was, not that long ago. Um, so I think it'll be a few years. I still think OLED is going to be king of the castle for a while now. Even now, like it's ju- OLED is just just becoming like the household name for like consumer uh, TVs. I still have like most of my friends. I'd say like even Spencer is uh, on this pod. Doesn't have an OLED TV, like most people still I, I'd say the majority of people don't have OLEDs. they're probably just now entering that space where if you are in the market for an OLED TV or for a TV rather, you're probably going to go into an OLED one, um, because you know you can get a decent one for on Black Friday. Some of them were like a 47 inch or a 55 inch were less than like 800 dollars. They were dirt cheap. relative, relative, right. Uh, Remember when first when the first flat screen like HD TVs were coming out? Um, I remember buying a 32 inch, uh, I think it was a Samsung, a 32 inch 1080p HD TV for like five hundred dollars. You can get you 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 can toss <laughs> you can toss ten dollars like down the street and you might run into a 32-inch 1080p TV these days, right? So, like, yeah, we're talking the difference of, like, 10 to 15 years, but, like, in five years, micro-LED could potentially be an option. So, that that was the, the the coolest one. I think that's that's one where it's, like, if, you know, I, I, I'm doing stuff with more uh, movie watching at home and things like that, like, it just adds the convenience of being able to, like, consume media and, like, TVs and TV shows and movies. Um, in a really cool way um that sometimes just straight up beats the theater but like the the big difference maker there i think is like sound that's like the the final wave usually that people have to overcome or that you know people stop there and uh and then you're basically just watching movies at home like we i just saw avatar Way, way of the water um in imax fake imax um a few weeks ago and it was great and then i saw a trailer on i was like you know let me pull up youtube and let's put on a 4k hdr and not in 3d and not have to wear the stupid glasses and it just produced a better picture quality than the theater i went to which is insane like i'm so lucky to be able to have that and it's, it's like i'm very grateful for that but it's like oh yeah yeah you know once we get to like some insane tech uh at home you don't need you know why would i go somewhere else um besides like the huge display which is also very fun sometimes and then obviously the surround sound uh systems which um adobe atmos is legit man like it is so cool um for for the audio and home av enthusiasts uh that's that's what we have coming up next uh, and then uh next weeks well, a few weeks we'll let you know when when those episodes are coming out. We're doing some fun fun projects around that. So um, yeah, CES, what a cool time. What a great way to kick off the year to look at all these things that like, yeah, this is cool. I don't know don't. I can't afford this stuff, but I don't know. It's kind of cool to see. It definitely informs like the direction of what a lot of consumer electronics are going to start looking like. So if you start seeing cheaper options and variations of a lot of these things, that's, this, this is where it all comes from. This is like that, the uh the industry showcase that just shows up shows us the improvements that tech is having and how it could potentially like you know just quality of life things again, like not all of it is like super serious and important, but some of it's very cool uh there was like obviously the car tech and like a i and like um self driving is like a huge deal right now and like very controversial because of all the issues that Teslas are having notoriously right now, but like you know, they're develop- they do they you continue to develop some of that and see how that goes or see how it's changing as a result of like whatever real world consequences we're seeing from, from any of that. Um, There was like that stand mixer that I think Philips has uh, now that um has like smart sensors. So like technically you can like change settings and do things from your app. So like if you're a baker or hardcore and, you know, things are mixing or you're whipping, like... And you're prepping something else on the app, like potentially you can just say, oh, stop it when it hits this." And it has like sensors within the stand mixer to say, "Oh, it's we've reached this type of consistency." And the liquids and the materials that we have in the uh, mixing bowl, like all of that. Like some of that stuff is is very cool. On top of like, you know, there's always like robot stuff and and you know, AI and you know, uh, battery technology and car technology and all of that. That is always interesting but these these were some of the bigger things that uh at least we found Spencer and I found like he did you know bring up some of these so Spencer you did do some work thank you um and yeah it's always a fun time so that's CES, the last of us HBO uh show is launching on Sunday what is that January let me look at the calendar here real quick oh boy I should have had that up and ready right that's what people say um the 15th and we are going to be do review. Of course, we're going to be reviewing This, this is my favorite video game of all time. Uh, we're going to be reviewing that. So we'll have some first uh, impressions of the first episode on uh, next week's episode um, of the podcast. So stay tuned for that. Thank you for listening. We got big goals. Like, Hey, share the podcast with your friends. We're trying to get to a hundred uh, weekly listeners or downloads um, this year where we're, roughly at 20 to 25 thank uh, truly seriously thank you to all of you who do listen regularly um i know that there are, there's a couple of you at least so thank you share it share it we're gonna have a, a fun time this year i think we're my goal at least personally i'm not exactly uh uh <laughs> run this by spencer yet so uh no 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 problems if he doesn't commit um my goals for for this year are pretty lofty. I'm gonna get really serious about posting more regularly to YouTube um, to kind of get those subs uh, sub numbers up, um, get the podcast. Hopefully, start working on some sponsorships and start doing this a little bit more uh, consistently and and start bringing just better content to to you all. Obviously, um, I want to get to. I I publicly said on TikTok, which was maybe a mistake. Uh, I want to get to 100 followers, 100,000 followers on TikTok. We're sitting at almost 6,000. Um, lofty, very lofty. But uh, specifically with with one of the things related around the Last of Us that that's happening this week, um, could potentially be a catalyst. I think, uh, or just like in a you know just like an example of like things to come. So uh, I want to do more of that. Get to like at least 5k uh youtube subs honestly that like that's really the bigger one that, that i want to get up there but if uh you know the tiktok account and then obviously the podcast can like keep things going for a bit that's okay too Um, but i do want to get serious about content creation and, and eventually turn the dmgt into a proper media brand and a proper media company baby we're gonna get there we're gonna get there so we're gonna work hard it's gonna be a good year it's gonna be a fun year uh stay tuned thanks for listening uh go fart into the toilet now okay bye